In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Reeflog or Chris McNeil or whatever he likes to be called. How are you, sir? Good, good. How are you doing, Paul? It's great, mate. It feels like it's been a long time since we've caught up. Yeah, it sure has. Sure has. This is uh, certainly the first time this season. I think at least the first time probably since maybe last season or so. I don't know if we did much in the off season. So it's good to be talking internationally with you again. I'm in Germany at the moment, and I know your mum has got some connections with Germany. Well, yeah, yeah. We, uh, my grandfather fought uh, in World War II, so he was over there in Germany, and they went back over there not too long ago. And um, actually, more recently, my father's going to be going over there to look at some new equipment that, the, uh, that a shop over there is making for us. So yeah, we have a few connections over there on top of just our normal beer consumption over here in the States of their fine, fine alcohol. Excellent. And uh, here's my first question for you. Why can't your family buy in America and have to come all the way to Germany? Because this particular machine isn't made anywhere in America. So it's a very, it's a, it's a very specific machine for what we're trying to do there in the shop. So it's something you cannot find in America and it's something that's being custom made. So it's well, a little bit of a, a secret project that's not so secret anymore. We're not a uh, German podcast. We're a Browns podcast. Let's talk Browns. Let's do it. How are you feeling about the Browns at the moment? And look, I want to tell everyone, I've got 12 minutes with you, sir. So let's get to the point. How... Are you feeling about the Browns right this second? Oh, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, just completely up and down. You go from feeling good to feeling bad all in the same game. I'd feel a lot better in this season if you were to take it all in mass, if you take out both the 49ers game and then the Titans game. I mean, if you eliminate – and even if you just eliminate the Titans game right now, you start to say, you know what? We had one bad game and everything else, this is a young team. But then you add in that Titans game, and that really bugs the hell out of me because that started the season. That started this whole thing rolling. It was at home, which we continue to still struggle with, and we still didn't come out and, and do what we wanted and just got blown out. I mean, it's just amazing to me how badly we played in that game, how badly we played against the Niners. Um, I, I really hold out hope that we're a young team, and this is a part of the development and maturing process under a young Freddie Kitchens with a young quarterback and several young position players. But at this point, you know, I, I need to see some pretty dramatic improvement here at the second half of the season, which is naturally going to come as the schedule gets better. So we do have that at our advantage kind of in our back pocket. It uh, doesn't start off, obviously, with after this bye when we play the Patriots, but eventually it does get easier, and hopefully we see Freddie Kitchens be able to write some things with this ship because right now it is not looking too good in Cleveland. Where do you think it's going wrong? Do you think it's Dorsey putting the roster together, Freddie Kitchen, Baker, or just the whole team in general? I put a lot of it on, uh, on uh, Freddie Kitchens right now, to be honest with you. Um, I don't like the play calling. I don't like the mistakes. The mistakes have just driven me nuts 
all season long. And that's right on coaching, right on coaching. And I think, quite frankly, he's got too much on his plate. I would love to see during this bye week for them to take away some of the play calling. It sounds like they're not going to do that. But, boy, that would be nice to take that off his plate so he can clean up some of the, the basic blocking and tackling of being a coach, which is making sure you don't have all these penalties, making sure that you're crisp and clean on, you know, if you're going to challenge a play, whether it's the right idea and uh, you're going about it the right way. I mean, there's so many of those small things that he's not doing well. It makes it very difficult for a young team to flourish underneath him. Now, I also place some blame on Dorsey. I said coming into the season, Paul, and I don't know if you were on this train too, that, hey, we look good in most of our position groups, but the offensive line is going to probably be an issue. And we found him struggling there at the beginning of the season um, to to put together the offensive line. He grabs Eric Cush at the last second, and you hope that they're going to mold. And and I remember thinking going into that first game, it's like when we signed Cush, it's like, man, it it seems like we're, we're really trying to jam and cram for this test. And it seems awful late in this ball game for us to be doing that. And as it turns out, it looks that way. And then thirdly, you know, I'm going to put some blame on Baker at this point. I think he's got to get better. I think Baker knows that. I think he knows he's got to get better. I don't like to see him regressing like I do with some of his throws. You pin some of those on the wide receivers, obviously. But uh, he's just got to get better. And he's the leader on the offense. We all know that. We spent all offseason, all last year, talking about how Baker is coming about as a leader. And now he's really got to take the reins offensively and do that. So I really wasn't on the uh, O-line's case during the uh, preseason. I thought that we were going to come into a, a nice O-line. Obviously, I know there's been some changes, but I thought that the way we finished last year, it was going to be stepping into something very similar. But I think uh, we're not doing too bad on the O-line. Aren't we like somewhere around mid-table? It's not, it's not horrible, you know, in, in – I don't think Baker Mayfield's under as much pressure as as what people seem to think that he is. I mean, when you start looking at the numbers, he's got a lot of time back there. But I still have I still don't like this offensive line as it's constructed right now. Um, I and I and back to back to Freddie Kitchens. One of the things they are doing well is uh, is getting um, you know running in spurts uh, have, has been big. Um, for us. And I would like to see, you know, us rely more on the running game. You know, I I don't know why we go away from it at times. It's almost like we've got these new presents and we've got to use them in OBJ um, out there, you know, that that he really wants to see OBJ featured. He wants to force the ball to him, even Jarvis to some some degree, even though this is his second year. And that concerns me. I would really like to see us use Nick Chubb more often than what we do. I think that that would make things a lot easier for the offense. I think that would make things a lot easier on Baker Mayfield. It's a, a tough one because I think I saw online that is it something like Landry and OBJ have only got like one touchdown between them. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, sounds about yeah. right. Right, and, and so you say, well, we probably need to get it to him more often. Well, it's tough. I mean, this is and this is all part of Freddie's job. He's got to figure out now. He's got a lot of personalities on this team. He's got a lot of talent on this. With uh, with Corbett going, do you think we're going to uh, trade for someone? Is it time for Teller to step up? Uh, well, I'd like to see that. I, I don't know. I, I think that Dorsey's probably got another move in mind at this point. Um, you know, we know, obviously, on a different front, he's been talking to the Redskins. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think that there's probably something in the works right now. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we make a trade before we play the Patriots come Sunday. The two ones that are interesting to me are Higgins, Avery, actually make it three, 
Greg Robinson. They're, they all seem to be something in the air with M3. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And Robinson, I, yeah, he's a guy I just keep waffling back and forth on, you know, on, on whether he, he's going to be able to do something for us or not. So that's, a, that's, that's an interesting experiment for the Browns. If you were in the Dorsey shoes, what would you do right now? In terms of the, the team overall, I don't think I'd do much of anything other than I'd have a frank conversation with, uh, with my head coach, with Freddie Kitchens, and I'd, I'd very much encourage him. I wouldn't mandate it, but I'd encourage him to give up his uh, play-calling responsibility until we get everything cleaned up as far as the penalties go, as far as the mistakes go. Uh, I would really like to see a cleaner game out of Freddie Kitchens. And if I'm Dorsey, then I start to have those conversations. Because at this point in the season, I don't think that you're going to slap together a trade that's going to dramatically change the trajectory of the Cleveland Browns. I think you got to look in-house at how you're utilizing the weapons we've already got and what can maximize that. Because you did so much in the offseason. So you've got to let that bake kind of – that that all those ingredients bake for a while, I think, before you start – working on a different recipe and and we just haven't done that yet so uh i i would not make any knee-jerk reactions in the in the uh, bye week here i would not make any knee-jerk reactions in the next few few weeks i'd say if you can add talent go for it uh but as far as the course is concerned i i don't think you start making moves like like getting rid of a head coach or anything like that uh i i think you've really got to just just have some patience right now it sounds like it's if, well. It feels like Hugh Jackson again this time last year. A little bit, right? A little bit. Haley. Yeah. Are we doing something as a Browns organization that just keeps happening the same, repeating problems, penalties, play calling? It just seems very similar to Hugh Jackson. Yeah, and it really does, and it really does, and uh, you know, I, I was really hoping, and I still hold out hope. We've got the right guy in kitchens, and I'm hoping that we've got the right guy in Dorsey. Right. And Dorsey's the one who picked Kitchens. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, it is. It's just maddening, though. You're right. It's like we're not only snake bit, but we've institutionalized losing for this for so long in Cleveland that it's, it's just maddening to watch year in, year out. You expected a year like this to for us. You know, I keep going back to that Titans game for us to just come out and grab the reins like everybody expected in the offseason. And, you know, where we're at right now. We have not done that. We have not done that, you know. Um, yeah, we had a good win against the Ravens. The Jets was kind of like, ah, okay, we're supposed to beat the Jets. They don't even have their quarterback. So, you know, it's, it's really difficult being a Cleveland fan, and this is why, and this is why. And we're going to see it on display, by the way, Paul. When we play the Patriots, that's it. I mean, that's the show. It's us versus the, the team that has gotten it together, the team that is perennially – the king of football in the NFL, and that is the Patriots, and that is Bill Belichick. And that's another ironic chapter in Cleveland is that Bill Belichick was in Cleveland early on in his coaching career, and you see what happens. So hopefully, hopefully, and this is where you hold out hope, and this is where it tears you up inside, Paul. You, you look at a guy like that and you say, hey, maybe Freddie Kitchens is that type of a guy. Maybe he's making his mistakes the same way Bill Belichick did in Cleveland. And maybe he'll come around, and maybe we'll be patient enough to wait for that. We'll see. I mean, I was old enough to be in Cleveland, to be around when Bill Belichick was there. Bill Belichick was not liked at all in Cleveland. 
He was hated in Cleveland. You know, you had Eric Metcalf up the middle. You had the guy who cut Bernie Kosar because of diminishing skills. Bill Belichick did not do well in Cleveland, was not liked in Cleveland. Contrary to anybody who's trying to play any revisionist cards today, when he left, now he left after, the, after Baltimore had left town, or after the Browns had left town officially, uh, but even if they would have fired him in the middle of that season, no one would have batted an eye because he was so not liked in Cleveland at that point. But people don't think, don't talk about that very much. And maybe we got another one in Freddie. I have no reason to believe that based upon what I've seen on, on, on the field, but that's the hope. That's the hope you, you hold out as a Cleveland Browns fan. Well, let's wrap this up, uh, Chris. Do you, what do you think we're going to do against the Patriots? Do you think it's just going to be another lose by a very fine margin? Who knows, right? I mean, really, would it surprise you that much for us to go out and just, like, blow out the Patriots, just do something crazy? I mean, because that's, that's our MO. If you start looking at these teams, we play like crap, we play like crap, then all of a sudden, boom, we blow up for a game. Everybody gets excited because we just beat the Patriots, and then we go in the crapper and, like, lose to the Dolphins or anybody on the back half of our schedule. You know, that's a very Browns MO. So we say, what do you expect? You, you never know. That's, that's, that's back to the roller coaster. You never know what this team's going to do. I have predicted – for no, now the second time this year, I'm predicting that the Browns are going to lose, though. And usually I'm the optimist these days, and I'm going to predict that the Browns are going to lose. Hopefully that's some kind of a reverse jinx and we end up winning this ball game. And that's what I'm holding out hope for. But I think my head's going to go in this rather than my heart. And I'm going to say the Browns lose, and they lose by, uh, let's, say, let's say, a touchdown in this ball game. Let's say we keep it close, but we ultimately just don't have enough to get it over the top. Tom Brady kills us with a last-second drive, and they win by a touchdown. Well, mate, I'm going to go with the Patriots, and then we lose to the Dolphins. That is what I think will happen. Yeah, <laughs> I could see something like that. I mean, that's so Browns. That's the way the book gets written for the Cleveland Browns every single time. All right, excellent. And uh, last question is, now we're two and four. What do you think we're going to finish the season on? Oh, let's see here. Now, I think going into the season, I said we'd be 12 and four. So do you think we can rattle off 10 straight? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I Dorsey, highly... Dorsey thinks we can, but. Uh... I know, I know. Boy, if we had 12 wins, man, we're walking right into the playoffs. I don't think anybody in the division is going to be at 12 wins, even the, page, or even the Ravens. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We have two wins right now. We're six games in. Uh, we got 10. Let's say we go five and five. So that would put us seven and nine, which is right where we were at last year. Um, phew, boy, that's, that's kind of rough. That's kind of rough. I'm, I'm kind of thinking we're orbiting right there though. Probably seven wins. If you were going to, if I was to put money on it, I'd say seven wins right now, Paul. And that would be a pretty good back half going 500. I think we're going to go eight and eight and Freddie's going to come out and goes, I told you. Small improvements. That's what I think he's going to We do. go 8-8. Eight and eight. We may be in the playoffs. We may Maybe. be in the playoffs. You never know. At 8-8, eight and eight, you start getting close. You're one game out, in my mind, of probably really being in the playoffs. But then you're talking about the second half of the season being in the playoff hunt. So we'll see. We'll see. It's such a shame that the rest of the AFC North is so weak this year and we're pissing around. Exactly, exactly. It, you know, you always figured the year the Browns would be good-ish is the year everybody would be good. And this is the year we were supposed to be good and nobody's good. And we're just not holding up our end of the deal. All right, Chris. Look, I said about 15 minutes. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find your details? 
Oh, always go on Twitter. I'm at reflog underscore 18. That's just golfer backwards. Also check us out at the top of that. My show, Big Play Reflog Show, which airs every single Monday night at 9 p.m. This week's guest is going to be a local radio guy here in Columbus, Ohio. So we're going to talk a little Buckeyes, Paul. I understand you went to a Buckeyes game here not too long ago. We're going to talk about their win, hopefully, over Northwestern and uh, talk a little Browns as well. So catch me there. I've got to say Buckeyes versus the Browns. Browns is in my heart. Buckeyes. It's a whitewash. It was too, uh, too easy game. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the Buckeyes. That's where we go. That's where we go. When after we watch the Browns, we got the we got the Buckeyes there. That always, always is a whitewash, which is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right, brilliant. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you at a game this year somewhere. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Take a look, mate. Thanks a lot for your time. <laughs>